Okay, good morning or good afternoon, depending on wherever you at. Uh, if you're tuning in on today's episode, episode nine of the Restricted Zone podcast, uh, my name is Colin Simprom, and today I'm with the usual crew. Mine is two people. Uh, Mar and Chris, introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah, what's up, everybody? What's up, y'all? How y'all feeling today? And uh, today we got a special guest uh, appearing on today's episode. His name, uh, his name is Chris, and he has his own podcast. He's a co-host of it. It's called Straight to the Point Podcast. I'm going to let Chris take over. Introduce yourself, Chris. What's going on, everybody? My name is Chris, like Colin said. I'm co-host of Straight to the Point. Thank you all for having me. I'm glad to be here. All right. And uh, we missed last week uh, a bunch of stuff we could have talked about. We're going to talk about it this week and then some. Uh, we're we're not we're the usual crew. Mine is two people. Uh, they won't be available, but hopefully next episode they will be. So let's start off with the Eagles. You know, big Eagle fan here. Another big Eagle fan in Chris. Uh, I mean, we beat the Giants. Nothing to really be impressed about. You know, they're a bad team, but you know it was a good win. Uh, so, so what do you think, Chris? My fellow Eagles fan, what do you think? <laughs> I think it's I think it's an uh it could either go one or two ways. It could be a misleading win because they beat up on a on a team that's bad. And it, it took a lot out of them to overcome a bad team. They shot themselves in the foot plenty of times. But I think that this could also be one of those games that sparks a run for them. You know, you get some confidence, you get some momentum, and then you have divisional games coming ahead. You got another game with the Giants coming up, you get the Cowboys coming up. So I think that this game could go one or two ways. It could either be a spark that they need to, to win a terrible division, or I think that this could be one of those games where it's like, yeah, you pulled it up and you were lucky, but you really showed what you were, and that's really a bad team. So, you know, they shot themselves in the foot plenty of times, but maybe, just maybe, this could be the spark that they need. I mean, you might think it could be the spark in the knee. I'm just not too optimistic about this season. They might win six. If you're really optimistic as an Eagles fan, you'll hope they win seven. But eh, I think it, I've been leaning towards six. Uh, I'm looking for a Giants fan on this podcast. Hey, Giants fan, you mind speaking up? We did beat y'all. Um, <laughs> let me say what I have to say because all that is unnecessary. <laughs> when the Eagles won, but – I don't think it's going to spark anything or I don't think it means anything because it was, it was a bad team without their best player. And they won by one point and late in the game, the Giants just kept getting called for holding and pass interference in the red zone. So, and it was, it it was, they called it on second down, it would have been third down, but then they got another one. So they kept moving. Like they, they just kept getting first downs all over again. So, I don't think this really means anything because they had to fight back to a team that was terrible without their best player. Okay. Uh, I see where you're coming from. Um, I'm going to see what uh, Christopher says on, on what's your take on, on the, the Eagles being the Giants, even though it's the Giants. Like, what do you think you could take from that? You think this could be a spark for them? Well, honestly, I don't – what I take from it is y'all just be a division opponent, but – Watching the game was basically just trash against trash. So I don't Whoa. know how much you can take. From, so for, let me finish before you cut me off. I don't really know what you could take from it. But kind of like what Mars said, y'all won, but the Giants, I think the Giants must have beat themselves and y'all actually winning. Because like he said, they had some bad penalties against them. 
not only that, but 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 a little bit after the um, was it before the two minute warning? Before the two minute warning, Ever Ingram dropped dropped a wide open pass. He catches that the game's over because not because now they're in field goal range. Now you have to stop him. You have to waste your timeouts and stuff. So like I said, y'all y'all won. Y'all came back and stuff. But like, really, what do you take away from it? It was the Giants. It was again two bad teams playing against each other. So I mean, I don't know what to take from it. Just one team beat the other. That's all I can say. All right. I mean, if that's if that's your case, then we'll just move on to the next topic. So Raiders fan, this is where you shine, Mr. Christopher. You guys beat the Chiefs. I didn't, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't see that coming. I thought they would have cooked you. Uh I bet you, I bet you did. <laughs> so I mean, what so what so I'm gonna let the Raiders fan go ahead first. I mean, what so what do you take away from this win if you guys being the Chiefs? So what does that mean f- for your season? It was a statement win, but I mean that's two weeks ago and we got to focus on this week. I think what we showed everybody is we can be a competitive team. I don't know if we'll be in the playoffs or not. I think at the least we will be in the hunt for it. I don't know if we'll be a wild card team. I don't know if we'll miss it, but we'll be in the hunt. But to show that we can be a competitive team. Now what hurts that what's really hurting the Raiders right now is it's not injuries, but this pandemic hit the Raiders. And right now for tomorrow's game, our entire starting offensive line will not play and Jonathan Abram is out because of COVID. They said it's a slight chance they could play, but they got to pass the test tomorrow. And I don't. I think they had to pass another test before they can even play for real, for real. So there's really skeptical on if they'll play or not, which is why our game would move from prime time to now a four o'clock game. I mean, again, we're playing, we're going to play a good team against the Bucs. I, I don't know how competitive it will be due to us losing a key part of our offense. I mean, we really rely on the offensive line doing their thing. I think we have a really underrated offensive line also, but I think losing the entire starting offensive line is going to hurt us. Now we have to see what the Bengals can do. I mean, the good, bright side of it is the Buccaneers defensive line. It's okay, but it's not really all that. So it's not like they're going to get back there and stop Josh Jacobs, but it, they could um, cause pressure to uh, Derek Carr. So we just got to see how that goes. All right, Chris. I mean, uh, Kent, what's what's your other take? What's your take on the the Raiders beating the Chiefs? What do you think it means for the Raiders? I think it's a statement win, like you, like Chris said, um, because you go out there and you prove that you can you can hang with the best team in the league. Like we all agree that the Chiefs are the best team in the league. Um, they have weapons, you know. The Raiders, they they kind of question, they kind of silence those those doubts about Derek Carr at least for this week, at least for next week, that. Maybe he can be the guy long-term in Oak, um, Las Vegas, sorry. But with this whole COVID thing that's going on now, I think that this was quite a blow to the Raiders because it's hard to have a cohesive unit, especially an offensive line where you have pretty much your entire backup line and then you have your franchise quarterback, franchise running back. That disrupts a lot of things, you know, people who are not used to playing with each other. Um, Maybe you're not used to the, the plays that's being run. You don't get that first team tick all the time. So you, maybe you're not as prepared as you would normally be. I think that um, even though Coach Gruden said that, that there's a good chance that four out of the five offensive line starters will play tomorrow, um, moving that game up, you know, out of prime time, you move that game four hours up, that's four hours less time you have to prepare. If the offensive, the backup offensive line were to be playing, they can't practice. So they're doing what film study on Zoom. Yeah. Like how 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 viable is that? You know, um, 
So when you look at the NFL moving that game up, they're saying the Raiders, you know, caused a lot of self, caused a lot of this to themselves. And maybe this is kind of their punishment. But the Raiders have been playing um, solid football. Josh Jacobs is, you know, arguably one of the best running backs in the league. And, and Derek Carr has been spreading the ball around nicely, um, not, you know, limiting turnovers. And that's the recipe for success. Okay. I mean, uh, definitely, we're going to still touch on the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders are supposedly, they're playing, your next appointment is you guys are playing the Browns. I mean, so what do you think about that that matchup right there? Do you think the, the Browns win that or you think the Raiders win that? We play the Buccaneers. Oh, excuse me, the Buccaneers. I apologize. Uh, Antonio Brown isn't playing. He's not He's not starting until week nine. Uh, still out. So, you know, in, in the touch on that, make that transition. What do you think about Antonio Brown signing with the Tampa Bay? You think uh, that gives Tom Brady some more wings or it doesn't mean anything? I mean, I, I guess I can start off. Uh, I think it's going to hurt them more than it helps them. And I think it's going to hurt them because they already have two stud receivers and uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So I don't really understand the entire purpose of bringing in another stud receiver who wants the ball in the hand, just like Mike Evans wants the ball. Chris Godwin wants the ball. He's still trying to prove himself. I mean, he's only a second-year player. So I think bringing in another top-tier receiver, that's going to hurt somebody's touches, and that could make them uncomfortable to playing – uh, playing around Antonio Brown. I mean, not only that, but Antonio Brown has a history of hate case issues where he's just, I don't know if it's a mental thing with him, but it just shows that he's always just doing something for the wrong reason. He's always in the papers for more right, I'm sorry, more wrong than right. Like he did when he was in Pittsburgh, like he did when he was in for a play, he was on the Raiders for that short period of time and in New England. So it's a track record about all the stuff that he does. So I don't think it helps. I mean, it's nice that they have him. I guess it's another big name on a nice, talented receiving core, but I don't think it's going to hurt them more than it's going to help them. I mean, to touch on what, what you just said, Chris, uh, I think, you know, of course, besides his off-the-field issues, I mean, the fact that the Tampa Bay was willing to give him a chance, I'm sure without talking to Tom Brady himself, uh, they probably they decided to still give him a chance. I think this is – I think he'll make that change because he knows what's at stake. You know, this is really his last shot to even remain inside the league. I mean, Mar, what do you think about Tampa Bay hiring and getting Antonio Brown? Um, it's kind of surprising considering they denied them back in March when they said they no space and uh he wouldn't fit in. So it's kind of surprising. And then to touch on what Chris said, I mean, you got Leonard Fournette and you got Ronald Jones, and then you still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So Every like somebody's gonna be unhappy. Uh, somebody's gonna be limited to a certain amount of touches that they're not really gonna want to get, and it's gonna cause a problem. And Antonio Brown might be that problem. So I don't like I said, it's a it's a it's a star receiver, but like, what is it really doing for your team? I mean, well, coming off what these two, these guys are saying, they're saying the Antonio Brown addition is not really too. It's not something to be really optimistic about. I mean, Chris. I mean, what's your what's your opinion on that? You, you don't think you should be optimistic as a Tampa Bay fan about Antonio Brown signing with the team? Yeah. Um, I think you should be optimistic because you have another weapon, another prominent weapon, another playmaker that you can go out there and you can distribute the ball to. 
Like, yeah, I get it, it's one ball and you have so many different weapons, but you have Tom Brady for two years, you know, you have a two-year window until you're pretty much rebuilding again or you're trying to go out there and get another quarterback again. So you want to maximize his opportunity, his touches. Antonio Brown is someone who can, you know, he doesn't have to just, you know, do one route. He can he can do the reverses. He can do the gadget plays. He can do whatever you need him to do. So I think that he's a versatile weapon. And he's someone who has familiarity already with Tom Brady. When he played in New England for all of one game, people looked at New England and was like, yo, like, this team is scary. And you took Antonio Brown away from that team, and everybody was like, oh, that, that offense is, is garbage. So you see the impact that he has. You put him with, a, with Evans and, and, and Godwin and Ronald Jones and Fournette and McCoy and Gronkowski and whatever. Like, yeah, it looks like the 2010 Pro Bowl team, but the dudes, oh, like, man. We, have to, we have to at least respect what they are, like, they've shown the ability to do. And this just makes them one of the preeminent teams in the NFC. Like, yeah. They lost to Chicago. We don't know, you know, at the end they're going to win a division with New Orleans, but do we do we look at New Orleans the same way as we did at the beginning of the year? I think the NFC, aside from Seattle, I think is wide open. So why not take advantage and 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 get A B away from Seattle, who could be an NFC championship uh game opponent, you know, because there was rumors that, that Russell Wilson was pushing hard for Antonio Brown. So maybe it's maybe it's a little bit of chess. You know, we're looking at it like, oh, where are they going to get the ball to? How are they going to do this? Maybe it's a more so like, hey, we're going to put you on our team so we don't have to play you in the playoffs come January. I mean, no, definitely coming off what you said. I think talent-wise, I think before all the off-the-field antics, he was arguably the top two. Some people say he was obviously the best wide receiver inside the NFL. I don't know about yeah. you. He wasn't the best NFL no. wide receiver. No. 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 Wow. Who, who, sure who wasn't. Was? Sure wasn't. Who, who was? Sure wasn't. Who he wasn't. Was? He's not better than Julio Jones. Oh, he's not better than Julio Jones. I mean, he's wait. He's not so- better than DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I, I, I think Dottie Hawkins was definitely done unjust playing with the quarterbacks he played before Deshaun Watson. But um, but he so Antonio Brown wasn't he a top five you know wide receiver inside the game? He was he was he was top three. I just didn't have him over Julio and Hopkins. It's like I don't like who like Antonio has amazing hands. He his route running, he's fast, but most of the time his he has he has like impressive catches like Odell. They're not really open like. But at least Odell can get open on his route running. AB just makes like crazy catches, like so it's not, it's not really like there for me. Okay, so all right, so so who was your top five, you know, receivers before, including Antonio Brown before off the field antics? Like where, if you was to rank them, how would you rank it? Um, I would have to go DeAndre Hopkins, right? Julio Jones. Are you talking about now or like? I'm talking about uh, you get you got to include Antonio Brown before you know all his off the field. So like a couple years ago, yeah, a couple years ago. Let's say uh, 27. No, when did Antonio Brown lead the league exactly? No, I got my five. I got my five. Okay, you got. I got um, Hopkins, Julio, Odell, Antonio, Devontae Adams. Antonio at number four. I mean, uh, uh, Chris. Chris K. I mean, so who who's your top? Because we we just had a who's your top five receivers 
including Antonio Brown before his off the field antics. Like, who would you? So, Amara said DeAndre Hopkins. Then you put Julio Jones at number two, and then, um, I think we pretty much have the same five people. Right. I think the orders are different. I think I have Julio one, Hopkins two. Uh, I probably do Odell three, AB four, and uh, Devontae Adams five. You have to realize that Antonio Brown had, you know, he had been, he had all these weapons, but he made all these great plays. Every every one of those five guys are game changers. You know what I'm saying? But I think of the of those five, I think there's a gap between like AB and then like Devontae Adams. Like I don't think. Like I don't think you'd be hard pressed to argue like Devontae Adams is a top three receiver in the league. Like, I think there's a like he's five, but I think there's like it's like a big gap between like the upper echelon top top tier guys and then like Devontae Adams. Okay. Um I mean uh Chris, uh so so what's your top five, top five receivers in, in the NFL? Well, if you're talking about before the issues A B, um yeah. Devontae's not before if it's like before A B issues and before he got kicked out the NFL, I wouldn't have Devontae Adams up there. Right, right now, he's easily up there, but then I wouldn't have him. Uh so I think so for the most part, my list is the same. Uh the order's a little bit different. I would have Julio would be number one. I'd have Odell number two at that time. A B would be three. Right. Uh I would have um who would be my fourth? I just had him. I probably have Mike Evans fourth because I was my oh. I feel like Mike. I Mike, I mean, like Mike Evans is like a really good receiver, and he's really consistent, which is why I'm, I'm a fan of his. And fifth, I mean, did I say Hopkins? I don't think I said Hopkins, but I had DeAndre Hopkins up there. But I mean, it's different. My list would be different right now than it is then, because AB just changed it. And back then, I really didn't know or see much of Devontae Adams. I mean, since then, he's easily become a fan favorite at wide receivers. Easily top. He's easily top five. I mean, for me, arguably top three, but easily top five. But if we're talking about back then, he's not up there. No, man. I, definitely, I think DeAndre Hopkins touching on what everything you guys said. You know, DeAndre Hopkins definitely, yeah, his his career until getting Deshaun Washington, it's pretty much been unfair, like, the quarterbacks he had. And I definitely think, uh, yeah, he should be number one. I, I, I would put DeAndre Hopkins number one. Uh, I, I'm going to put Julio Jones number two. I would put Antonio Brown number three, Odell at four, and then I'll put Devontae Adams at number five. That's just me. But, okay, so with that being said, we're going to make a transition to the NBA. So the NBA uh, possibly might shorten this season. It might be 72 games. Uh, so what's your guys' opinion on that? I think it's something – I think 82 games does, you know, is, is physically, mentally draining for the players. I mean, the athletes, I'm sure, you know, there's no excuse. You know, they, they train their bodies, they eat right, they're supposed to keep themselves in shape. But I think it would definitely – do a lot more benefits for the players had it been 72 games. I think the games would be more competitive. I mean, so I mean, so what's your guys' takes on that on the NBA, you know, shortening possibly shortening the season and possibly starting inside December? Um, I'll, I'll go first. Um I, I don't really like it only because I saw a report that also said there might be like a, a play-in tournament. So I guess like those 10 games that they can't have, I guess those teams that are like tied or whatever, are gonna have to like play it out in the tournament, which I don't think is fair. Cause if you limit the league, if you limit the season of the league and some teams qualify, 
I don't think they should be like put to the test any further because they already did what they had to do. I mean, so what's so so what's your stance on the NBA possibly shortening shortening uh its season, uh Chris? Chris K. Um, I've long I've long asked the NBA to shorten the season. Like 82 games is ridiculous. Like because theoretically speaking, from October to June, there's a lot of games where people are just like, you know, why are we we're wasting our time here? Like guys are doing guys are resting, guys aren't even playing. If you shorted the season from like 82 to probably like 62, even like 62, 58, 62, something like something in that range, I think that would be better. Honestly, the season to me shouldn't even start until Christmas Day. And like, yeah, I get it. Like they start playing in October and everything like that. But mentally for me, NBA season doesn't start until Christmas Day. That's the primetime game. That's where the season really starts to take off. You don't need those, you know, those those games in October and November. Like you don't really need that. Like if you want to have a preseason game, whatever. If you want to give those guys extra rest from June to whenever, cool. But the season, if I'm like the commissioner of the NBA, the season doesn't start till Christmas Day, and we can go from Christmas to June. You have that like six, six month, six and a half month window. Right. You can play your season. You can limit the back to backs. You can give a lot of time for travel. There, then you eliminate the the need for like, oh, we have to rest, load management. Like, yeah, nah, like, like you, you, you kill all that, right? And you kill all the extra dead noise around it, and you have Christmas to June, and that's your season. I mean, speaking on that load management, before I swing it to uh, uh, the other Chris, I mean, the load management, I think it has its benefits, and of course, it has its. Uh, you know, has its negatives, but I feel like athletes are really taking advantage of the load management. You know, the Clippers actually, uh, they were supposed to be chemistry wise, they're supposed to be really great, but players had issues. Um, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, and et cetera, had problems with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard's load management. I mean, Kawhi Leonard was like the poster, poster player for the load management. I mean, when he won the championship with the Raptors, they say, Oh, this is what load, load management can do. With the Spurs, obviously, uh, Greg Popovich has been implementing that load management since. His career, so it, it depends on you know if the players aren't taking advantage of it. But swinging to what Chris, I mean, what's your opinion on the NBA possibly shortening the season to seventy-two games and starting inside December? I mean, I see why they're doing it. I don't want to say I'm a big fan of it, but I understand from a business perspective why you would do that. Because the whole point of it is they're trying to get back on schedule with the actual NBA season. So they feel like the best way to do that was okay. You take out a bunch of games, get players a little bit extra rest and then just come back on Christmas day and we can start from scratch, but they're really just trying to get back to, and I feel like they're trying to get back to the regular schedule. So I think after this season, they're going to go back to the 82 games and everything's going basically quote unquote, go back to normal. But I mean, uh, and like, I understand like why it's good that it's only 72 games. Cause like you said, there are a lot of games where, I mean, it's just like, why are we watching this game? Because it's like, it's almost like players are giving up. Oh, well, I won't say giving up, but like, they're not really playing. Like, there's like the rest game. Load management's a big thing. So I understand, um, like, why 82-game season could be bad in some cases. But I think that the whole purpose of this is just to get back to the original standard. 
No, definitely the touch. I mean, everything you said. Me, I mean, I think, like I said, I I, I don't oppose it at all. I think uh, the players will be more rested, obviously, and uh, we'll see more exciting games, even the Monday games against uh, teams that aren't even destined to make the playoffs. It could be with the players re-energized, having those long breaks in between games. I think uh, seventy-two games would be well, but like Chris says, it's all of it to get back on track, back on pace for eighty-two games. I think maybe if the 72 game season is really well and all the players, I mean, or the good majority of the players seem, you know, to be completely fine with it or they agree with having 72 a lot more than 82, it could be a fixture in the future in the NBA. But uh, making the transition, Tyron Lue to the Clippers. You guys didn't want Tyron Lue for the Sixers, but he's with the Clippers. I just want your thoughts. What do you think it means for the Clippers? You think they can win the championship next year? Going back to the finals, or they get knocked out before they even go to the Western Conference. I, I want to hear it. Go ahead, Chris. Okay. Oh, you want to go? I'm, ahead? I'm go yeah, let me go first yeah, on this yeah, one. Um, I mean, it's just I just think it. I just look at it as like another hire. I mean, he was on the staff last year, and I think it was. I don't know. I don't really know how it is because I've really never seen Tyron Lue coach without LeBron James. So I'm really not sure how to think of it or how to look at it because I mean you already have a because basically you when Toronto was in Cleveland he was the head coach but he had it but his assistant coach was basically LeBron he had a coach on the court so it's kind of like I mean what what did he really have to do I mean he might have made some changes from David Blatt here and there but for the most part all you had to take care of was just like any question I think any like um, um interview questions and stuff that could cause um some contra controversy within the team and everything. So I don't really know how Tyron Lue coaches. And I think it was – I'm not going to say I like it or dislike it, but I know he also named Chauncey Billups as a, one of the as one of his assistant coaches. I've never seen Chauncey Billups coach, so I don't know how it is. So I don't really have any um, predictions based off of it. I mean, based off what I've seen, it looks, it's just basically the same team, just with a different coach. Uh, to touch on what Chris said before I swing it over, uh, Chauncey Billups uh, actually had two jobs, not to be a coach or assistant coach, but to be a general manager for the Knicks and also for the Nuggets. So I guess that really testifies to what, you know, Chauncey Billups can bring. So, you know, I think that was, that was a pretty great hire for the Clippers to get Chauncey Billups as the assistant coach. But touching on what Chris said, Tyron Lou, like we've never really seen him coach without a superstar I mean, well, a generational superstar like LeBron. And when he didn't have LeBron, he went 0-3. But I don't think that was just too small. That was too small of a sample to really judge off what Tyron Luke could do. Uh, I don't know. That that gap between LeBron and Kawhi Leonard, uh, it, it's a gap, but not too far of a gap. Kawhi Leonard is definitely one of the best players in the league. So I just want to see what Tyron Luke could do offensively and defensively and see where they could take the Clippers. But I'm going to swing it over to you, Chris. So to you, Chris, what do you think about Tyron Lue signing with the Clippers? Um, I think the Tyron Lue brings some familiarity. Like that's what a lot of people said. Like within the organization, like oh yeah, Tyron Lue's not afraid to get in people's faces, not not afraid to really hands on coach people. So I think that that's something that um, that's going to benefit them. Like I don't know how. Like I don't think that Doc was necessarily afraid to coach people, but maybe he was kind of too lenient on his stars and. I don't think that Tyron Luke really would, would do that. Like, I don't think he's going to – like, I don't think he's going to be like like how Belichick was to Brady, but I also don't think, like, he's going to just, like, coddle them and let them get away with it or whatever. So I think that 
it kind of it could be a good mix, especially if he brings brings in like people who are able to support him and support the team. Uh, I think that they have to address their chemistry issues. Like if the roster can't get can't get along with each other, like I think they need to to thin that out. Like I need I think some people are are inevitably going to be traded or they won't be on the Clippers next year. Like I don't think Lou Will is going to be back on the Clippers. I don't think Montrezl Harrell is going to be back on the Clippers. I don't think Reggie Jackson is going to be back. So you you're going to end up losing some pieces, and you eventually have to re- you have to replace these pieces. Like I think Landry Shaman is going to end up taking a lot of you know a lot more um, playing time off the bench. Zubats, because um, I think like if you look at Tyron Lue, like Cleveland, he used a lot of Miles Goff, he used a lot of uh, Tristan Thompson. So I think Zubats is going to end up getting a lot more playing time. Um, I think he should. Uh, Zuba should get more time. So I think that, I think that it could be good depending on who they bring in to replace the, these pieces. I just think like, if if the Clippers had as bad of chemistry issues as they said they did, it really showed in games five, six, and seven when they played the Nuggets. Like you could tell, like it just wasn't really there. I mean, all right, definitely. Uh, I think Zubac should definitely get more minutes. You know, he's definitely a, a promising, a promising uh, player. You know, he just needs more minutes to really sharpen. Uh, Mar, what you think the Clippers go to the finals with T. Lou? Or, or nah, not even. Um. Well, let me touch on what you said because there is a gap between Kawhi and LeBron. Ooh. Let me just put that out there because there's there's a huge gap. Now, um, I just I don't like Chris said. I didn't. We didn't see him coach at all, LeBron. So it's just like, what are you gonna do that Doc didn't do? <clears throat> you had a great player. You have another great player. You have yeah. You have a great player, and then some players. So it's like, what are you gonna do differently that Doc didn't do? That's just a, that's the only question I really have to ask. I mean. Like I said, well, I mean, it's not really much to talk about Tyron Lue. He has too much. He has too small of a sample if you disregard having LeBron on your team. So hopefully we'll be able to see what, what we could do, what he could do next season. I mean, I'm going to ask you guys this. Like, what NBA team are you most excited about uh, before, you know, before the offseason uh, starts? Like, what team do you look at favorably you think could go to the NBA Finals and possibly win it all? Like, what NBA team excites you the most or you or you had to make a gamble? Or a choice, but you guys go ahead. How about everything on the Nets? Oh, the Nets. I mean, if you look on paper, they are frightening scary, though. They're really scary, though. I mean, Chris, Chris K, what do you think? I think the team that I'm looking for, I'm looking the most intently at is the right. Nuggets. Whoa, the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets can make that push because they have a talented big, a talented guard. And if you look at the, the history of this league. That's what you need to succeed. Like, that's the formula. Talented big and talented ball handler. Look at the Lakers. Um, talented big and AD, talented ball handler on LeBron James. Now, I'm not saying that Jokic and Murray are AD and LeBron, but they have all the formula that you need to be successful in the league. So I think if I had to choose one team, it's probably Denver. And that's before, you know, the offseason even, you know. Which that's before any, any, any moves, anything they did. Like, it's Denver. Like, I'm – you look yeah. at they, – they, they play with heart. They play with they, – they, they're, they're not the most talented team in the league, 
but they have good coaching. They they all they playing they're playing defense. They're flying to the ball. I think it's Denver. Hard working. All right, Chris. Uh, so so what's what NBA team are you like? If you had to just gamble before the off season, that really excites you that you could say they're going to the finals and they'll possibly win it all, Chris. I mean, what what NBA team? Um, I could either look at the uh, Lakers or the Nuggets. Um, but I'm skeptical on the Nuggets because I. Did read that Jer Jer oh what's his name Jeremiah Grant he um opted out so oh. that's a bit that was a big part of their team so if he doesn't resign I mean that's a hole that needs to be filled but also at the same time if Michael Porter Jr. can develop and he doesn't have, like I said he doesn't have to be that leading scorer but he can develop into like a really solid six man if he can average like a good eighteen to twenty points per game then they're still dangerous so. I mean, obviously the Lakers, they still got LeBron and they're probably and more than likely just gonna resign AD. So you can't you just can never just count out LeBron. So I would just say the Nuggets of the Lakers. All right. That's that's definitely all right. Two Nuggets and one Nets. I mean, I hearing what both of you guys said about the Nuggets, I mean, yeah, I never really looked at the Nuggets, but hearing from what you guys saying, they play hard, they're not the most talented. They got talented, they do got two talented players in Jamal Murray. And, and Jokic, I, Michael Porter Jr. Actually, you know, he was the number one recruit in his class, and he was supposed to be the number one pick in the 2018 draft until you know you hurt his back. So I, I mean, they're really they got they got their three. It's just Michael Porter just needs to you know just work out more defensively, and he he already got the offensive skills package. But you know, the last part uh, we get to touch on before you know we end today's episode is so the Sixers they got it they got Doc Rivers. We talked about it. No one, no one was excited about it. Uh, wait, Chris. I mean, what what's your opinion on Doc Rivers? Before we, I touch on what we're gonna talk about, like, what do you think about Doc Rivers to the Sixers? You think these guys weren't excited? I was just so neutral with it. I'm not too mm-hmm. high. I'm not. It's not too bad. I'm just neutral. Like it's just in the middle with it. I'm excited, and I think because he has a young team. If you look at like look at all these guys like MB Simmons, um, all these guys are, are like. 24, 25, but they're still young guys in the grand scheme of things, right? Simmons is already, you know, first team all defense and Embiid's like can put up 20 and 10 at any given moment. I think they need a, a strong veteran presence in their locker room and, and maybe Brett, Brett, like they love, you know, people like, oh yeah, we love Brett. You know, Brett's good. Brett was good, but he was only put so good. He was limited. He was only gonna get that team, but so far, like, yeah, I get it. He turned a ten-win team to a fifty-win team, but I think that Doc Rivers can take this fifty-win team into a legitimate championship-contending team. Mm. Um, I think he brings a pre- like, I think he he brings he brings a presence that I think like hopefully he try like he hopefully he gets Embiid in actual shape. Like, I hope people stop, you know, people stop you know, fooling themselves into thinking like, oh, yeah, and beats high, you know, he's in shape. He's looking at him. He's like, yeah, he can do so much. He can do so much, but he limits his own potential. He does. Simmons, like, can we get Simmons to shoot? Like, <laughs> can we actually start doing these things that we've been talking about for the last two years? Like, can we start seeing progress? Can we actually run some offensive sets? Can we run some actual real plays? So I think that that's good. I think him putting – him having Dave Yeager on his staff to be his pretty much his defensive coordinator. I think that that's something that Thibodeau 
Tom Thibodeau did in Boston when they won the title in, in 20, 2008, and then they went back in 2010. Like, that's what Thibodeau was there for. He was that defensive coordinator. Doc was out there drawing plays and, and, and doing things like that. Yeah, he had a bad – I think he had a bad run. He had a bad end in Los Angeles. But look at what that team – when he took over that team, they were like – they were like uh, – all right, they were average. You know, they had like Vinny Del Negro or whatever. They had like, they had like Blake and, and Chris Paul, and they was, wasn't really doing anything, right? He took that team to a, a respectable championship contender in the West. They had – you know, people were talking about, oh, yeah, it's the, Clip, it's the Clippers title to lose and stuff like that. So I think he can take the Sixers to be a legitimate contender in the East. Like let's like these last couple of years, we've been like, oh yeah, the Sixers, da, 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 they can trust the process. Yeah, that's great. I'm a, you know, like I was there when they was getting they getting you know losing to like the Pistons, and they were like ten and seventy two. Like I was at those games getting five dollar <laughs> tickets. Like I was there. And I was I was there Embiid's uh, debut opening night when they played Oklahoma City and they almost pulled that game out. Like I was there, I know what I've been watching all this time and I know the potential. But let's see if Doc can take this team from like good to championship level team. And I think that if Doc starts getting like if he gets Embiid to get in better shape and he gets Simmons to at least take these jump shots, like he don't gotta make them, he just gotta take them. Ah. And I think that this team will finally get over the hump. Now their front office is going to find a way to get in the way. Like they, that's what they do. Like they, oh, they get in their own way. But maybe Doc can f- figure out a way to make this roster work. Now I'm I'm assuming that they try to move Horford or they try to move these other pieces. I don't, you know, like people saying like, oh, they're going to trade Josh Richardson. I don't think they're going to trade Josh Richardson. I think that's a guy that Doc really likes like that he fits that doc mold so i think that maybe horford can work maybe not we'll see but i think if any coach was to be hired i'm glad it's doc rivers and not like dan tony or not tyron lou or somebody somebody, i'd rather it be someone you could argue is a top 10 top five coach in this league oh he's a top five five? oh wow oh wow what has he done what has he done? You can argue. You can argue. Okay, even if you take away, like the the championship in Boston, right? Like you could argue, like he had a super team. He would have, he would have, you know, he would have had to purposely lose to not win that championship, right? He took a team. He took a team in the Clippers, like I said, from middle of the pack average team in the West to. A legitimate people called them a legitimate championship contender. They were the people, same team with Del Negro with Doc Rivers. They had the same roster basically, and they did exponentially better with Rivers than they did with Del Negro. They didn't get past the second round either t- with either coach. They, so how's that they, better? Right, well, they lost to arguably they lost to better teams, better constructed teams, and they lost to what the Warriors. They blew a three-one lead. They had three-one lead on the Warriors. Okay, yeah, I get it. We, I'm just trying to get a 3 1 lead. Like, these dudes just got swept by the Celtics. Like, Wait, we're trying that's to explain why he was a top five, though. He's he was a he's a top five coach because you look at what he's done in every other spot. Like, he hasn't he done anything. In it. Whoa, whoa, if you hold on, I'm sorry, if you want to go to any other spot, <laughs> we, we can start. Start, let's start with Orlando real quick because he broke up a he broke up a, a potential big three, and even with Grant Hill got hurt, a dynamic duo because Tim Duncan was to go to Orlando. 
Tim Duck was, always got hurt. So yeah, Tim yeah. Duncan was supposed to go to Orlando. He was trying. He was about would to you, sign. If you Tim Duncan, would you go to Orlando? He was about to sign. What are you talking about? Why would you go to Orlando? Because of Tracy McGrady. What did you to do in Orlando? It was Tracy McGrady. Wait, he was wait, Chris. Out. Chris, Chris, hold on. Wait, Chris. All right, wait. So Mar Mar had brought up something when I had oh, I had brought up an argument about Dot Rivers. Mar Mar said. What's so special about Dot Rivers if you take away that one championship he has with the Celtics? What does what's so outstanding about Dot Rivers if you take away that one championship? And I was really stumped on that. And I said, wow. I mean, he has good offense. His defense is pretty good. He's a soft tempo was the main reason why, but still, like what, what, what is what's his else? offense? His he, here's the thing, and, and maybe I'm saying that because you know, like I'm I'm being optimistic on the Sixers. They have no they've had no offense for seven years. They've had no coach. Doc Rivers is probably the best coach they've hired since. No, listen. Okay, listen. Is even if he, even if you say like, oh, maybe he's not a, a top five coach. He consistently, he consistently is a fifty game winner, right? Consistently, 50, 50, around fifty games, he's winning these games. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember a season. He, yeah, he, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't really necessarily have bad teams. He's blown three, three one leads. Yes, he has blown three, three one, three one leads. You but it, you have to be somewhat talented to get a 3-1 lead. No, but listen. Okay, listen. Okay, listen. You said you just – oh, my gosh. You just said – um, okay, you said the Sixers had no offense for the last seven years. What is Doc Rivers' offense? When you think of D'Antoni, you, <laughs> you might not agree with Mike D'Antoni's offense, but you right. know his offense. You, yeah, you know what is, you know D'Antoni's what is Doc offense. Rivers? Maybe, Doc, maybe Doc doesn't have an offense. I mean, Doc Rivers, if you really think about it's his maybe, it's, maybe, it's, maybe it's a basic – It's balance. It's balance. He doesn't favor – like, he doesn't favor you shooting the three. He doesn't favor you driving to the lane. Paul George and Kawhi. He's just favored them to, He favored them to bail him out. He, he did. Favored he, he did favor him to bail, bail them out. But if you look at what the Sixers have done over the last – you know, whenever when they, had, when they had Brett, even if you take away the years, they had nobody on offense, right? What do they really? What do the Sixers do on offense? And V gets the ball at the top of the key at the three point line, dribbles around, almost dribbles it off his foot, passes the ball, and and goes to the goes to the elbow, does that rip move, and hopefully he gets a foul call. Well, Chris, well, see, that's what I'm saying. So, all right, or but- or it's or it's Simmons at the top of the key, and he's like just driving to the just driving to the hole. No, Chris. Well, listen, but that's what. Wait, before I even touch on that, I, I like I said, uh, Mar had brought up. You take away the championship in 08, What is Doc Rivers like? What? What is? What is he? And he had Tom Thibodeau that year. If you want to talk yeah. about defensive coach, Tom right? I, I mentioned he had Thibodeau. Rondo. I call. I call, I call that the big four. I call that the big four. He keep people keep saying the big three. I call that the big four. Rondo, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Every and Ray Allen. Right. Those are the big four. Right, and I said, and I said they were clearly the best team. They were one of the best team. They were the best team on paper that year because they had, uh, you know, a younger Garnett. They had Paul Pierce. They had Ray Allen. They had these guys that were somewhat still in their primes. They, right. you know, he, it would have been a monumental failure if they didn't win that year. Oh no, okay, no, but see, but that's I'm not. Saying, right. if, you take, if you take away that year, what is Doc? Doc's a above average coach. Above average, see, but then that's why you can't put him in that top. I couldn't put him to that top five. I can put him in the top five because there's not that many great coaches right now. Oh, 
if you name name me four coaches, you would have other than Doc. Well, right, well I mean, Mike, 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 I would listen. take Coach Malone. I would take the Nuggets coach. That, 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 I would take. I would take um Eric 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 Spolster. That's how you say his name, Eric. Uh, I would take him. Yeah, I would. Cause look at what he's done without LeBron and, and D Wade. I mean, you 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 gotta Billy get Donner, man. I wouldn't Billy Donovan. Billy Don well, I'm not taking no damn Billy Billy Donovan. Uh, Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan. What with the Thunder? I'm. That's really mainly the entire half day team. Yeah, they did. Chris Paul, Sean Gillis, Alexander. You got Daniel Nari, Dennis Adams. Then, then you got a great, then you got a great backup point guard in Dennis Schroeder. I mean, I, I'm not gonna underestimate Billy Donovan though, but I'm not gonna put him in the top five coach. I can't think of number four and five. I'm trying to think. Bro, Chris, can you help me out with this one, Chris? Here's all I'm saying. But hold on, Mark, one second. Here's all I'm saying. Based on what you said about what Doc Rivers is without the ring, you just said he's another George Carl. That's all you basically said. George Carl was consistently. I would murder someone on the street for George, for the Sixers to have George Carl right now. You are tripping that if you Whoa, that. You are wow, tripping. Man. I would go right outside. This, outside this, the we're talking about the same coach. Wait, 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 I agree with you that Doc Rivers has been the best coach since Larry Brown. I don't agree with you when you're saying Doc Rivers is a top five coach. I don't agree with you at all with that. So give me four people who are better right now than Doc Rivers. No, see, that's what I'm saying. I just gave you three. I can't think of the four and five. That's what's killing me like, like crazy. I just if can't you, think. If you go around the different coaches in the league, right? I mean, okay, wait. Actually, number four, I could give you Brad Stevens. I could give you Brad Stevens. I could Brad Stevens. That's four. That's for the fifth coach. I'm really Name trying to fifth. think of the fifth coach. Name I'm fifth. really trying to think. Car Rick Carlisle? Maybe. Okay, I could, I could argue that. No, I could give it to Rick Carlisle. You, you, you could argue Carlisle. But that's five coaches better than Doc Rivers, in my opinion. Who said Nick Nurse? Oh, Nick. Wait, I put my, Nick. My, I put Nick. Wait, I put Nick Nurse. I don't want to hear nothing about no damn boot You were just talking about Doc Rivers. 60 win teams twice and went nowhere. Bulldozer didn't even have a 3 1 lead. Bulldozer gets mopped in the playoffs every year. So does Doc Rivers when he's with Atlanta? Bulldozer got mopped <laughs> in the first round, and then he loses. Then he goes to Milwaukee and gets mopped again in the playoffs. At least Doc I, has some type of play. Then Doc got the first round. No, but listen though, like Chris, we forgot Nick Nurse. So this, so I'm at the rearrange that list. I'm gonna give it to Greg. All right, all right. I'll give you Nurse. Like, like Nick Nurse got to be three, and then but Doc Rivers still not a top five coach. Doc Rivers is at seven at most. He, he probably so what, so all right. Top ten. Even if I'm okay, wrong, top ten. Top okay, five. top ten makes sense. Top ten is top ten is. I, I can't think. No, yeah, he's he's top seven. He's top seven. Doc could be four, anywhere between four and eight, four and no, seven, he, whatever. He can't be in the top five. Wait, did anybody say Steve Kerr? Oh, I, I mean, Steve, see, I hate, I don't want to do that to Steve Curry, because but when you got three Hall of Famers, no, no, like, no, 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 Kirk, no, Kirk deserves to be out there. Kirk deserves no, it. He does. He's, no, I'm sorry, no, Dan. I'm sorry, no. I don't know. He I feel like you got that there. much advantage. But wait, but wait, the only, uh, the only argument you can have against Kerr is Luke Walton had that same team and went like 24 and one to start the season. Oh, like, man. how hard, how hard could it be to really coach that team? 
And Steph Curry's basketball IQ, as long as Clay, like those those IQs are really like you know yeah, but you. you can, but we can't. The thing is about that argument, you can't have that same argument for Steve Kerr and then against Tyron Lue because no, you so ain't really seen Tyron Lue without LeBron. But but, but, that's just, but but it's always been LeBron. Like this has been LeBron. Yeah, but you got you. Uh, you talk about you know you got Curry's basketball IQ and and Clay. Clay. You know, Curry's not like, an on-court coach. Who's the on-court coach? LeBron's an on-court coach. LeBron is on okay. Then you can argue okay. the point. Like, traditionally, we argue, like, the point guard is the on-court coach. So, I guess I argue Curry. the point guard is the quarterback, not the coach. There's a difference. Coach, LeBron's coach, a coach. Captain. I don't think LeBron – I think LeBron is a coach. LeBron is but a I coach. But I think LeBron has – like, some. you can argue some quarterbacks are coaches on the field, Right. And once you get to year There's seven, another one. 15, 16, 17, you start becoming a, an extension of the coach. Wait, wait, but okay, but not to really dive off that. Like I he said, Doc Rivers, wait, but Doc Rivers is not a top five coach, though. Like we gave you, like he's at most top seven, top eight. So let's just say that. But as, as you said before, you said without the ring, he's an above average coach. Well, above average coach, what does that take the Sixers if he's just an above average coach? What has the Sixers been? Got, with a below a average coach, I got I got a different question. I actually have a different question for you. Okay, all right, go ahead. How? Who, so you would rather take uh, Doc Rivers over Don Staley? I just want to know the answer to that. Don wait, Staley? wait, Don Staley. Yeah. He's she's a South Staley, Carolina like the coach of South Carolina. Yes, yeah, yes. Don, Don Staley, Staley went to Temple. Yeah, yes. that's Don Staley. Would I take? They actually they actually considered him. Would I take Glenn Rivers, aka Doc, over Don Staley? That's oh, the question. Man. That sounds like every day that ends in Y. How about that? <laughs> wow. What? So I just want to let you know. Dawn still is a proof of winner wherever she goes. Would you go I'm not, would you go I'm not, no, I'm not bringing in Dawn. I'm bringing in the NBA of someone who is an NBA head coach who's been a coach in this league for 15 years. Like, you and can't has done you can't nothing. Give, you can't give Dawn Staley first NBA job to the Sixers. No. Why not? Not, Why not? Not these Sixers. Not like. Why not? We got two young guys, and we try to make the make it to the final Sixers. Maybe the process Sixers, but not these Sixers. No, no. You're not. Tell, you're not telling me why not. Why not? Because you need a proven NBA coach who can take these guys from what they've been to the next level. I don't think that there's any coach outside of you know. Like I don't think that the best coach is available. I think of the best coaches available, they got the best coach available, which was Doc Rivers. All right, hold on. Can't, you can't take Dawn Staley from the University of South Carolina and give her not only an NBA job, but wait, wait, a wait, team wait. No, 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 Kyle, Kyle, I got it. Let me, let me, I got East it. With Embiid, Simmons, and all, and a, and a, and a, if we want to be honest about it, a bad roster. You wait, Chris, wait, wait, before you say something, Kyle, Chris, you're, you're setting her for failure. Colin, like, All right, like, I got it. So right. here, here, so again, I, I made this argument when I said Don Staley sh should have at least gotten an interview. Even if she didn't accept the offer, she should have gotten an offer. This is the this is the argument I made. The thing that Philly has not had and and since Allen Iverson has been here is pedigree. The culture in Philly is fight, fight, fight. Am I wrong by that? All we do is fight, right? So what better way to have somebody lead that charge than somebody not only from the city who grew up in the city fight for you. Why not have that? 
And then to add on what Chris said, I mean, I mean, so I mean, if you look at the history of college coaches becoming NBA coaches, it's not really that high of a uh, a good rate. You know, you got John Calipari; he tried with the Nets, he failed. Obviously, it was a, a couple other coaches besides Brad Stevens. Uh, did we mention Brad Stevens? We already mentioned him in the top five. We already talking about him. Besides him, and there's another college coach that uh, I can't I can't think of for the life of me who's in the NBA right now. Or am, am I wrong? I mean, I think. Don Staley, like Chris said, I mean, she has everything in her background to be a great coach. And then, of course, she's got a, a she got two superstar generational talents. I mean, I don't see why she couldn't implement anything. into leading them to putting them to that next step. It's different. I understand what you're saying, and I'm not taking anything away from Coach Staley's pedigree. But it's different from coaching women's college basketball to go into the highest, the highest level in professional basketball and coaching uh, in a city like Philadelphia, whose media market is win now at all costs, right? Like, I get it. She's from the city. I, I take all that into consideration. But it's – and I'm not even trying to be sexist. I'm trying to be realistic on this one. No, no. There, we, there's no. some guys who do not view women's coaches, women's basketball the same. I'm not saying that any of the Sixers in particular do that. I'm saying you can't even allow for that to be an uh, uh, issue, right? Now, it's one thing if she's in the staff, she's on the staff, she's she's now the lead assistant, and then she becomes the head coach. All right, that's different. Okay, it's it's completely, totally different if all of a sudden you want to be, you know, you're trying to be a, a forward-thinking organization and you're just like, boom, all right, here's, here's Dawn Staley. Now, if you would say Becky Hammond, like, okay, she sat next to Pop, you know, right. she's been in the, you know, she's been in the league for a little bit. I still wouldn't have kind of wouldn't agree with it right now, but whatever. Not for the Sixers. Now, if you want to say, hey, Becky Hammond, here goes the Phoenix Suns. Okay, cool. You know, I get it. Expectations are low. She it's can bad. mature at her own pace. Right. No you you can no you can grow with that team. This yeah. team here. The front office has made it so like they are in win now, win now mode with all these bad contracts they have, right? So you have to go out there and you have to go win, right? You can't you. There's no time for growing pains, right? At least with Doc Rivers, it's not like oh Doc Rivers doesn't know what he's doing day to day, game to game. He does, right? Yeah. Whether or not he has a lot of success is different. You can't bring someone who has not coached an NBA game, has not run an NBA team and give them the Sixers or give them any top contending team in the East or the West, right? We talk about, like, we're, we're not talking about, like, the Sixers who just won, like, 12 games. We're talking about the Sixers who just won 50 games, who's been in the playoffs every year, and if you really want to be argued, if you really want to argue, was a Kawhi shot off the rim away from being in the Eastern Conference Finals. So the expectations are different. Now, I'm not saying that Coach Saley couldn't do it, I'm saying she shouldn't have been the she shouldn't have been the, the coach of the Sixers now, and she it, she wouldn't have been the right person to lead this team. The fight mantra that the, the the city has that like it doesn't even matter what team it's at the city has that, so the city adopts that, mm. the sports teams adopt that, but the Sixers in particular are in a weird position because they have they're like. You have two young, young generational talents, you want to argue, and Embiid and Simmons. You have Horford, you have Tobias, and you have Josh Richardson. You have, like, this weird amalgamation of parts 
and you need someone who kind of knows what they're doing to get it started. I don't think Don Staley, I don't think there's many coaches who could have done, who could do a successful job with that, right? I don't think Dawn Staley's in her first NBA job to, to ask her to go win with this. I don't think that's setting her up for success. Right. You know, the, so roster is, the roster is the roster is, is weird. Is so, right. I, I mean, no, Dawn Staley is the one for that. No, I understand that's like the, exactly where you're coming from. I understand exactly where you're coming from. I mean, Chris, I mean, do, do you understand? Like, I understand where you're coming from. Like, I like I would I would have loved if Don Staley would come, but like he said, the way our roster is set up, we're not really benefiting her. And then, yeah, I understand where he's coming from. I mean, Chris, I mean, what's your like? What's your I, just, I, I said it's a fair. It's that that was fair. I, that's probably the most legit case I've had for Don Staley not being a coach. It's it's a fair case. I'll say that much. All right, that but. Yeah, but Doc Rivers is not a top five coach. So we can we establish that at least before oh if man. He, if he if he has success with the Sixers and now he's had success in three different continued success in three different spaces, does that help his rank? Would you call that success just because you won fifty games? I no, mean, okay, Louis, but if, if, he pu- if he pushes the Sixers team from first round, second round exits to Eastern Conference Finals. That only be the I second mean, time he's done that with the team because he only did that with the Boston Celtics. He didn't do that in Los Angeles. They never made the Western Conference Finals. We okay. Well, they ran into like a better team. In, Houston was a better team, and Houston was a better team. Houston was a better team. No, they weren't. Not, no, they, no, they weren't. No, they weren't. And what year? What year exactly? He's talking about the three. about three-one lead. No, they weren't. No, 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 no. Houston was a better. No, they weren't. Come Definitely. on, no, they weren't. Definitely wasn't. No, they weren't. I mean, I, I mean, at, at most you could have said no. Actually, I no. think, I think, I think people are over overrating how good the that Clippers team was. They were good. Don't get me wrong. They were good, but they weren't winning anything. No, wait. Okay, so wait. All right. So, like, I'm talking, okay. about, I'm talking about Lob City. That Lob City team wasn't winning anything. No, nah, I yeah, Lob City wasn't. But um, right. So okay, like you said. So if Doc Rivers has. Success. Let's say, let's say, hypothetically speaking, he takes the Sixers to the NBA Finals. Hypothetically speaking, a great hypothetical scenario, but it probably won't happen. Let's say he takes the Sixers to the NBA Finals and he loses. So back to what Mar has said. Okay, he he he's won a ring. That's what pretty much made him like this big. You know, he's so highly you know revered in the NBA world as a coach. If he goes to the finals and he loses. Does that make him a top five coach? And and if you take away that ring, does that still make him a top five coach? If if he does take the Sixers to the NBA Finals, there's not many there's not many top five coaches without rings. Like I think Brad Stevens is the only top five coach that people will say is a top five coach without a ring. Like you right. have to be, you have to win a ring, you have to be some type of successful. To have a top five, you know, like oh, he's in the top five conversation. Well, well, actually, actually, Coach Malone from the Nuggets doesn't have a ring, and I don't so think to, I don't he's think he's I think I think Mike. I think it's a lot of recency bias too. Like, yeah, he did a great coaching job, but but I he know. had three years back to back to back being like you can't just ignore that. Yeah, but you also can't you also can't ignore that he has talent. Like he has Jokic, he has Murray, he has. Grant, like I'm not saying these he's, guys are like he's, like he's playing in a tougher conference. You gotta understand he it too. Playing, he, he doesn't have a top five player. 
He does, but he has a lot. Yes, of he, he has a lot. He has a, a ton of good players. Like the thing about the Clippers, right? And the reason why people are so hard on Doc is because he had Kawhi and he had Paul George. Uh, Paul, I, I'm sorry. I, I just, I'm but sorry. Like I Paul, said, George, Paul George doesn't. Like, I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. I, I like, like I said, like I said, bro. The doc doesn't have us. When you say Doc Rivers' names, you don't think of anything. At least when you say Malone, you can say, okay, the high screen and roll. Like they had a game plan. We don't know what Doc's game plan is because he always has somebody. He even had Lou Will, and Lou Will was cooking. So it's just like, bro, it's like. So can we give? So do we? Do we not give Doc credit for acknowledging his playmakers and giving them success? Like giving? Are we putting all the success on the playmakers? For going out there and making the plays, and none of the credit for the coach giving that, giving those players the position to make those plays. Hmm. Like, because there's a lot of times where we talk about coaches who mismanage players, right? Like, why are you using them? Why why are we using so and so this way? We need to use them that way. Does Doc get no credit? I'm not, I'm not trying to defend Doc. I'm saying hypothetically speaking, do we not give enough credit to the coach for allowing the players to play to their strengths, or are we just like? It's all the player, like the coach gets no credit for that. I mean, when, I, but I, I'm saying is I don't necessarily know what Doc did or what his scheme was. So I'll, I'll even break it down. I'll do it from team to team. So when he started in Orlando, young coach on a bad team. So his own, his scheme was get the ball, trace McGrady, McGrady just do all this scoring, basically. So now he goes to Boston. Before he got Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, by the way, Never let Doc Rivers be in your front office because that was terrible. But before he got those two players from the front office and they drafted Rondo, what was the scheme? They were also a pretty average, mediocre, below average team. And his scheme was Paul Pierce to carry us how, as far as you can. Just carry us. Then when he got other players, did I mean, did you really put in the scheme? Because now he has more talent around him. So now Paul Pierce doesn't have to do as much. KG can take more of the load off of him. So can Ray Allen. Now let's go to the Clippers. The when he first got there, same team done Negro had. Maybe add, he added, uh, got rid of a few pieces here and there. So here's here's one thing that most people don't say about Doc Rivers that Mar that Mar mentioned to me when he was when he was in um, on the Clippers, he had the opportunity to team to um, pair Blake Griffin and Chris Paul with Carmelo Anthony, and all he had to do in that trade package was give up his son, but he didn't do that. If they had Carmelo Anthony as a wing scorer on that on that Clippers team. They would have. They probably could have won a championship. Probably won it because he didn't give him his. But because they didn't want to give him his son, he didn't want to do that. Also, well, I don't know. Is is overrated of a prospect you could have even talked about. And, but and, then I and, wait. Go ahead, Chris. And, and again, the system. And again, what what did he do in L.A.? He basically told his star players carry us. Like that's all he was doing. He because most of the time when you saw them play, it was a pick and roll. From Paul and Griffin, either Chris Paul would get an ISO on the big man if they switch, or Blake Griffin would get an ISO on the wing or in the paint. I mean, that's really all you saw. Now, now Kawhi and Paul George come over. And what does he tell them? Carry us. Just give the ball to them and just carry us. So it seems like all he's basically doing is just praying and hoping that the best players on the team will just carry him the way. I mean, that's not really good coaching. The one thing, the one, the one, I'm going to cut you off. Go ahead. Okay, no, go ahead. The one thing I will mention is you mentioned that you end up having the pick and roll with Paul and, and Griffin and you end up having these mismatches, right? Is that not his scheme or is that just like coincidence? Because you have these mismatches where like you can take advantage of Kawhi 
you know, driving and kicking, or you have Paul George in the wing trying to facilitate or whatever. That's more, I guess, I guess my, my problem with that is, is that not, is that like, is that just happening throughout the floor of basketball? Or is that like a doc, is that doc scheming the things up? Now, I'm not saying like doc is the greatest GM ever. Cause like that whole Carmelo thing, I remember that. Yeah. You could, you could put Carmelo on that team. And I think that they make more noise, but we're talking about him going to a, a team in the Sixers who has had no success, like no success in the playoffs for going on 20 years, right? Like, yeah, they made it past the first round last, last year or um, the year before this. They got swept in the first round this past year with a high, with a astronomically high payroll. They, they're the Sixers' biggest calling card under, under uh, Brett Brown was defense. They could not score. Doc's a defensive, like he's tied as like this defensive coach. He needs to figure out how to make this team score. So I think that, yeah, we're talking about all he, he what he didn't and didn't do and all these different stops. I think this stop right here is different from all these other stops because he needs to figure out how to take a team that can play defense already. Like he wants to worry about the Sixers playing defense. Their biggest problem is they can't play offense. Like they have no offensive sets to to speak of, and maybe that's not Doc's strong suit. So Doc Rivers, the coach, needs to figure out who is he going to hire, who is he going to bring in to make the Sixers an actual offensive threat as well. Because I'm tired of watching the Sixers lose every night, you know, holding their opponents to 90 points and they can barely scrap together 88. Like I'm tired of watching. Like I don't want to see Embiid, you know throw up nonsense from the three. Like, no, I need an actual, like, I need some plans here. Like, what are we going to do? So right. I think that, I think that your argument is correct, that we need to see what Doc Rivers' offensive set is going to be with this team. But they also have to figure out what's their plan? What's their, what's their roster plan? Because you look at the Sixers, like, yeah, okay, people start around, like, oh, yeah, Tobias Harris had his best year under Doc Rivers, whatever. We need to figure out like how we're gonna make and be a, a legitimate threat, Simmons a legitimate threat, and all these and these three guys that's on the court at the same time around them, put the ball in the in the basket. That's like the biggest goal. Like I'm not worried about defensively. I'm worried about this team can't put together like Brett Brown couldn't put together offensive play to save his life. And that's the biggest problem with the Sixers, is they could never take advantage of any type of defense. Like, it didn't matter if Nick Nurse was running boxing one, or it didn't matter if you were in the zone, man-to-man. They couldn't score. Like, period. They could not score. So, now, what is Doc Rivers going to do to create offense? Now, if that's taking advantage... Now, if he wants to run pick-and-roll with Simmons and Embiid, fine. As long as there's something I can say, like, he's doing something. I need to see. I, I haven't seen any offensive consistency over this for the Sixers in the last five to seven years. Maybe Doc Rivers brings some type of offensive consistency. Okay. I'm just happy that they. Ha- I I think more so the hire of Doc Rivers was good because of all the off the court things that he can do for an NBA, for a Simmons, motivating these guys to finally get over this like mediocre hump that they can't seem to get over. That's more so where I'm saying, like, 
this Doc Rivers thing was a good hire. I think that they would have been like I, I don't think the Clippers get better by hiring Ty Lue. Like we we don't know, but just going about like yeah, Ty Lue won a championship, but doesn't mean Ty Lue's a top five coach. Now maybe he can take Kawhi and, and Paul George and do something different that Doc didn't do. We don't know that it has yet to be seen, but I wouldn't necessarily hold my breath on that, especially Ty Ty Lue or Dan Tony with the Sixers as it's currently constructed. I don't trust either one as much as I trust Doc Rivers to figure it out. Wait, um, I want to definitely touch on what you said about uh, what and I understand what you're coming from and what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Um, but at the end of the day, we really don't know what offensive setup he has until, like you said, we have to watch them play. But I do want to touch on the fact that you had mentioned uh, Paul George and what uh, Tyron Luka do with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, I don't know about how, how you guys think, but uh, I don't think Paul George is – a superstar, he's a regular season stat. He gives you the stats. I just can't every time in the playoffs, he, he's just a no-show. Uh I don't I can't put Paul George as a superstar. And I can't, I don't want to rely. You know, it's crazy how you should you should be able to rely. Is Paul George a top a top 20, a top 20 player in the NBA? Like would you guys put him put, put him in that category? The top 20 NBA player? Yeah, I mean, he's an all-star player, so I would say he's top 20. He's top 25. You know what I'm saying, man? Still all-star. I mean, I mean, I just don't see him. He's not a superstar in my eyes, but like I said. He's not a superstar. You don't got to be a superstar to be top 20. He's not right. But my whole thing is uh, I just feel like I don't think the Clippers – I don't know. Like, the Clippers had Tyron lose the coach, but I just don't know, But like, the roster. I mean, disregarding Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, he know he's gonna put up the stats in the regular season. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I think I don't know what the Clippers can really do, honestly. I mean, I think I had them going to the conference. They could, they could possibly make it to the finals. I'm not really sure, but uh, we'd have to see what Tyron Lue could do. Uh, so I guess Chris, Chris K made his point. Doc Rivers, he likes Doc Rivers as a hire. Chris and Jamar, not, not really fans of it. We're just going to really touch on the last topic. We really got a little bit off, but Chris did speak about Dave Dave Yeager as an assistant coach. I think that was an underrated uh, move to six. I think the Sixers so far in the offseason, they made pretty good hires. So, um, I mean, besides Doc Rivers, I'm still neutral on that. Uh, I'm really neutral on that until we see what he can do. But I think as assistant coach, David Yeager, I think that was a great choice as assistant coach. He was always known for his defense. Under uh, Chris, you're a Kings fan. I, I think you could testify under uh, Yeager when he was the coach for the Kings. Buddy Hill and De'Aaron Fox played a lot better. De'Aaron Fox was always a good defensive player, but he played superb defense under uh, Coach Yeager. And I think he's going to bring that uh, defensive identity to the Sixers which uh, I don't think you guys think Doc Rivers can do, but David Jager can absolutely do that. Uh, he was the one that a- actually helped improve Buddy Hill, too. He had a career year, I think, under Coach, Coach Jager. Am I, am I right, Chris? Uh, yeah, he did. He had a career year, so I just think that was, like, a great sign-in for the um, for the Sixers to really have. I just think – I think the Sixers have the, the right coaching staff uh, to, make, to make it to the finals. I mean, honestly, the East isn't that strong besides the Nets on paper. Before the offseason changes, obviously, the Nets, the Celtics. I'm not really high on the Bucks at all So the, you know, the Greek freak shows me something besides the spin moves and muscling people. Uh, the Raptors, I don't really think the Sixers have any problem with the Raptors. Uh, I, I think the Sixers could make it to the finals in, on the East side. 
the only competition I see is the Nets and Celtics. I mean, am I wrong about that or no? You can't you can't count Toronto. Uh, I'm not I'm not counting out Toronto, but I feel like the true competition in the East for the Sixers is really the Celtics and the Nets on paper. And that's we don't know what they can do. Here's the thing about the Nets, and I'm not about to say like the Nets are, are gonna fall apart, but we know the Nets are gonna implode at some point. Oh man. And here's the thing, not on the court, Kyrie and KD are like they're cool, right? They're they could be complimentary pieces. Either one can take the ball up the court, either one can you know do what the other one does. Off the court, like we see, like KD always got an issue with somebody, right? KD had an issue with Kerr, KD had an issue with Draymond, Kyrie had an issue with Brad Stevens, Kyrie had an issue in Boston, Kyrie had an issue with LeBron. These these two are are people who have issues with other people. You have a, a first-year head coach and Steve Nash, right? You got KD playing with the Nets for the first time, Kyrie. And, you know, we don't know really Kyrie where his head at. I don't think this is going to – like, I really think this is going to be like they going to either be good for the first year and then flame out or they just going to flame out by the end of the year. I don't think this lasts – like, I don't think it's going to be like a thing in five years. Like okay. I think one of them, I think somebody gonna go. But if we used to talk about Steve Nash gonna be like, yo, get me up out of here, these dudes is crazy, or something, but I don't but think I, it lasts long. So you don't think they're competitive? I mean, because Mar no, I think they're competitive. Nash. I don't think they're gonna be competitive for the challenge the sixes. Not no, I think they'll be competitive in the east. Like I think they could be a top three team in the east. Like they could even win the east. But I don't think they I don't think they're together after this year, is what I'm saying. Oh man. As presently constructed, I don't think they like here's the thing. And if the if the if the wheels fall off quickly with the Nets, Dinwiddie, Allen, Levert, gone. Right. Then it's gonna be Nash gone. Then it's gonna be Kyrie or KD gone. Like they're gonna blow it up. Hmm. Like I don't think that they I don't think it lasts. More than a year, like I'd be really shocked because you have guys like who are supremely talented, but their egos are huge and they they're quick to point the finger at somebody else. So how long does it go before they start blaming each other if stuff goes left? You know what I mean? Right, right. Because you like it's one thing to be like supremely talented, like which they both are, but they're quick. They're going to be like, yo, if something goes wrong, would it like? And hear me out. Would it be out the realm of possibility if you start hearing reports, Kyrie, Kyrie's can't think KD's the issue. KD's can't think Kyrie's the issue. KD mm. and Kyrie think that Steve Nash is the issue. Mm. Like, it's it's quite possible. Yeah, And I think it's more possible with, like, they already said, like, they was on the podcast together. And they said, oh, yeah, well, I don't think we, we, we don't really need no head coach. Like, what? How you, you just hire a coach and you're going to be like, yeah, I don't really think we need a head coach. Yeah, like, you yeah. think Steve Nash going – if stuff go left, you think Steve Nash is going to be hanging around? I don't think I, so. Yeah. No, I mean, definitely. I almost forgot about those comments they made. I mean, like I said, I think, like I said, I'm neutral with the Doc Rivers. Um, There's not really that much competition in the East. I think if Doc Rivers does a great job, take, uh, I think the East, I think the Sixers go to the, to the NBA Finals, Nate, and they represent the East. The West is just a, is a toss-up. So, but, you know. Uh, that was so that concludes episode nine of the Restricted Zone podcast. A lot of debates, it was pretty good. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. 
I want to thank everyone that's tuning in and listening and giving this podcast a listen. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, Chris, could you give out your, your your podcast information, where to check it out, reach you, and et cetera? Uh-huh. Thank you all for having me once again. Um, you can follow my podcast at STTP Podcast on all your favorite socials. Follow me at underscore Chris Cross on all your favorite socials. Straight to the point, we drop weekly. So we'll have um, extended conversations on some of the same topics that we talked about here in the Restricted Zone podcast. And once again, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate talking with you guys. It's very rare that you have some type of, you know, you get that debate going on. So I'm always glad to to talk with, you know, you guys. Y'all did stump me on that top five. I ain't going to let y'all forget, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back and redeem myself for that one. Y'all, I wasn't prepared. Oh, man. I thought I, y'all was going to let me skate on by with that one. I no, wasn't prepared no. to defend that one. So it's not a, y'all not got a top me. five. Y'all got me. I, I'm ready for the challenge, though. It's not a top five, but thanks a lot. We're glad to have you. Can't wait. Uh, Chris and Mar. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you guys taking the time and joining on today's podcast. And I appreciate it. Anytime, bro. There you go. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in, everyone. And we'll see you guys next week.